Welcome into another episode of Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dave Melton, site manager for the website. You can find me at SCH underscore Dave M. The main account for the website is at 2ND City Hockey. And all of my line mates are with me this evening. Up first, the analytics darling of Second City Hockey, Shepard Price. What's up? I went to the best concert of my life on, on Monday and it was Churches. Um, churches is really good, but also Lauren Mayberry is Lauren Mayberry. Uh, was it was this in what what size uh what type of venue or it was in St. Louis, I assume? Yes. What uh, like two thousand people, maybe? Okay, that's not bad. That's not bad. Yeah. No. So so big fan of churches now. I guess that's that's the where we're at. Churches with the I mean big big fan of churches with a V since high school, basically. Okay. Okay. So I I mean we I figured we were gonna immediately dive into your uh your Detroit Lions getting off the Schneid finally. Well, yeah, it's, it's a it's a nice it's a nice feeling that they're not going to be the first zero and seven zero and sixteen and one team. Uh, but there's work to do. Well, <laughs> I I imagine when you get your first win of the season in week twelve, there's going to be there's going to uh-huh. be a good amount of work to do. So, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, Jared Goff. I I I don't talk about the Lions while Jared Jared Goff is our quarterback. Yeah, yeah, that that's that's probably for the best. Uh, by the way, Shepard's on Twitter at Shepard Price. Uh, also with us this evening, you can find him on Twitter at Mill182, and he is the second city hockey. What Trent Reznor is the Nine Inch Nails, it is Mill Savage. I got that. You'll have, you'll have to speak up. I'm wearing a towel. <laughs> you know, that's that's a, a Simpsons line that I feel like doesn't get enough play at all. But I'm I trying. Mean, I'm I'm trying to work it into my routine more often. Yeah, that's that's uh, it's a good way to answer the phone. <laughs> yeah, highly recommend. Also with us this evening, she's not on Twitter, but you can find all her stuff at secondcityhockey.com under the name LBR, and she is the Second City Hockey bull and wall of text. It is Betsy. Um, I've spent the last like week trying to figure out why bathroom vanities cost so much money. They're just cabinets. <laughs> Why well, does it cost so much? If you don't get the marble topped gold and plated one. No, I I have I'm, I can reuse my granite. Like that's okay. safe. The 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 vanity part is expensive. They're like for one that doesn't look like crap, they're like six hundred dollars by themselves. Why? Do I, they score more than two goals a game? <laughs> <laughs> Probably not because they're inanimate objects, but you never know. The Hawks could use an inanimate carbon rod and it would score more. <laughs> wow. We're, we're really, wow. Really, uh, really ramping up the optimism early on in this episode. I appreciate it. Did you see the tweet I got last night? Which, which one? Where it was like, do you even like the Hawks? Only negativity from this account. I've, I've gotten like, that a few times as well. Um, and I, uh, my, my response in the last like four years has been, have you been watching this team? Like they're <laughs> right. One, it just I, needs to be that Will Smith meme. It's like, 
him being like Vanna White towards the Blackhawks and being like, have you been watching? Come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, I don't have any objections to that, to, to getting that response. I'm like, I, I don't know what to tell you. I, I've been just watching. like, yo, you knew here, dude. Yeah. Like I know what this team would looks like when it's like contending for titles and it does not look like that now, nor has it looked like that for about six years. Most would agree. Most I mean, would agree. we're, we're baby steps improving. We, we are. At, some, at some point I'd like toddler steps and then maybe like pre-K steps. Like at some point it's gotta be a little bit. I need yeah. the Forrest Gump, like run. <laughs> <laughs> you need the, 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 uh, the braces breaking off his legs and that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause like we're overdue. Like we've like, I'm not saying the Hawks isn't we, I'm saying like us who've been watching them, like mm. it's like, we're due for something. Well, and I guess that's a perfect segue into why we have gathered this late afternoon slash early evening hours. We're recording this here on Wednesday, so imagine most people probably be listening to this on Thursday or whatever. But um, I, as I put together this Number Munchers article, because we got to the uh, the equal distant point between the Colleton and King eras, I don't think that's the right use of the word equidistant, but whatever. <laughs> the point being that Jeremy Colleton coached the team for 12 games, and after the games over the weekend, Derek King had been coaching the team for 12 games, and dove deep into the numbers, and from a team-wide perspective, like if you just look at a lot of the counts, there's not really a lot of good things that have changed from uh, just a pure like gross number perspective. But if you start diving into the rates at which the Hawks were allowing chances against and goals against and shots against and all those other things against um, the rate at which teams are doing that to the Blackhawks went way, way down. Uh, like they're top 10 in pretty much every category that natural stat trick, natural stat trick tracks including uh, mm-hmm. shot attempts, shots against, goals against, expected goals against, all of them. So I guess the, the thing I wanted to bring to the panel this afternoon slash evening is whether or not they can sustain this type of hockey over the course of whatever the left, the, whatever's re- left for the rest of the season. Because under Derek King, they are 8-5, and five, which isn't a terrible record. And if you stayed at that pace for an entire season, you would be a playoff team. Now, uh, I don't know. I would wager pretty heavily that that would not be enough for the Hawks to overcome the dreadful start they had in the first 12 games of the season. But, I mean, I guess if you're trying to find a really, really rose-tinted pair of glasses to look at this team with, you could say, well, they they lay the foundation this season for maybe having more success next season. That's, that's my optimistic take for the day. So uh, what I'm going to – open it up to the panel we'll start with Shay as we usually do uh is this this idea of this low event hockey that the Hawks have been playing where they don't get a ton of shots and goals and everything else themselves but they also don't really let them up that much is that a sustainable figure for our sustainable model for uh winning in the NHL uh defensively yeah look at the Islanders the last few years and this is the style of hockey they play and problem that's, yeah, is that's that's yeah. the poster child for this and i guess the new jersey devils would be from like the 90s and the 2000s 90s yes it's yeah. very boring and I, it's not fun to watch and i don't it like is, it but it's it sustainable uh but the problem is that the islanders have a much better much better offense than the blackhawks do uh and that's what helped power them partially to the the playoffs they had good, really good goaltending and also just like matt barzal and 
uh, Bovillier and Anders Lee, who's just a goal scoring machine. It's yeah. like watch him play. And he's like, he's just scoring two goals a night. And, and, uh, and well, and, and that's where I kind of like, I can talk myself into this idea working because like the Hawks, like you mentioned all those players, the Hawks have Patrick Kane, the Hawks have Alex to bring it. Uh, Dominic Kubelik's like, a 30 goal guy when he's scoring and Taves is not going to go score goalless all season. I hope. And yet they're barely averaging over two goals a night and that's not sustainable. Sure. That's the unsustainable part of this is that the Blackhawks offense is so, 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 so bad. Um, and part of that is probably due for regression positively because their yeah. shooting percentage is probably insanely low. It's pro yeah, but, progression to the means coming for this team. We hope. Yeah. But well, right now it's hor- like, uh, I don't want to watch them. No, it's they're, it's, bo- they're boring. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of a pick-your-poison situation. Would you rather watch a team be uh, – well, I don't even know if they were exciting for the first month because they got their asses kicked so badly every night. I'd rather watch a team lose 7-6 to six than lose 2-1, to one, but they weren't winning – they weren't losing 7-6. to six, They were losing 7-2. to two. So Yeah. I, it was yeah. exciting for the other team. <laughs> I guess. So, yeah, it looked like – fun to be a fan of the team playing against the Hawks for much of October. Um, so I'm going to swing this around to Betsy because she mentioned in the pregame that she had some numbers related to this that were talking about uh, the teams that play a more low event defense first style and how, w- what they did to make it work, I think was the idea, or I'll just let this, uh, I'll yeah. let you take the floor because I can't remember exactly how you were. I was going to argue that, so the Islanders are the example of low event hockey, but um they actually like the Blackhawks still haven't come out positively on the shares side of things. Like mm-hmm. you mentioned in your numbers munchers, the Islanders did. <laughs> so yes. even though they were low event, they're like, um, they're like expected goal shares were always at like 52, 53%. So they, because, they were controlling the majority of the play and the, yeah. Still well, I mean, they would, they would be break even on shot attempts usually, but their quality and scoring chances would be the majority. So they didn't, you know, everything was low, but they, it worked out in their favor. It's not what the Blackhawks are doing right now because the Blackhawks are still like their shares are still so bad. So, they have to figure out how to balance it. And even the Islanders, like, so right now the Blackhawks for the full season are at like, you know, 2.12, I want to say goals per game in the King era. If you just count regulation goals, they're under two goals a game. They're like 1.9, which is kind of sad. Um, Like that, is a really, really low number. You look at teams like the Islanders or like the Stars or even the Kings of the golden eras, every single one of them scored at a rate of 2.5 or more. Right now now the Hawks are at 2.24 goals per game and all 25 from the season. Yeah. So that may not seem like a big deal, but it's – it's, it's way more than you would think, you know, like over the course of a season, that's just ridiculous. So I was trying to, uh, I think Lazarus had a thing that like, they're at like 1.3 at five on five or something. Like it was, these were some really like distressingly. Like, I remember our, we had uh, the stat that like, it was beaten into my brain because it got mentioned so many times 
that in the first month of the season, they were like minus 12 goal differential at five on five. Like they were getting outscored at five on five so yeah. badly. It was comical. And right. And that was mostly just because their offense was so yeah. bad at five on five. Yeah. But like, like the Islanders last year, the Islanders year before that, both of them, the, they were last year was 2.71 goals. So almost three goals. Mm-hmm. And then the same thing that Shay was saying is like, it works if your offense is actually driving too. the Blackhawks aren't driving offense much at all. They had like two games where they hit double digit, like high danger chances with a good bounce of score, like regular general scoring chances. But outside of those two games, nada. And even in both of those games, I don't really think they looked that dangerous outside of a cane here or a Debrinket here or a Hagel doing something kind of maybe a Strom or a Taves or Doc occasionally. But beyond that, you're like, okay. <laughs> well, they, I, I, I pulled this up on natural stat trip. The last month in the Derek King era, which is a month and two days now going back to November 6th, they have allowed 18 goals against at five on five play. That's the lowest number in the NHL. That's good. Yeah. They've scored 19 goals. At five-on-five five play, that's the third lowest in the NHL in that last month, with only the Flyers and the Islanders worse. So, they're yeah, they're just not. It's it's again. I think I used the word overcorrection a few times on the last episode, where it seems like they've gone so far back to defense that the offense doesn't thrive at all. And this is where I'll throw this around to Mill. Just, I guess it's kind of the same theme of what we're discussing here. But is there is there a way to make this work, or I guess, or maybe how do you make it work to where you're not giving up so many chances, but you're not completely sacrificing the offense. Um, I think that's a lot of, and I know we keep talking about this on, you know, every day, but it's a lot of strategy, but it's also a lot of uh, like usage with the lines, not just matchups, but just like how guys, you know, like everybody has to play their own spot, know where they need to be in transition. And I think it comes back around to their neutral zone play. Like they're just not very good good uh exiting and entering the the zone and then that you can't set up camp and cycle so um but but this has been a problem for a very long time i just don't think we talked about it as much because the defense was so bad and also Mm -hmm. they would score in transition because that was the only way they could but they don't really get those kind of rushes now yeah i just it's just it doesn't i i think i tweeted it after the last game that they won which was uh, the shootout game against, not the Islanders, it was a shootout went over the Capitals, I think, that, like, the Hawks have won. No, it was a shootout went after the Islanders won. Like, they're 8-4 and four under King, but it just doesn't feel like they're, like, flourishing. Like, it feels every win is so, so difficult to get. And the games that they lose, like, aren't – they don't get blown out as much anymore, but they also, like, they don't inspire a lot of confidence that, like, you know, they get down behind – they fall behind a goal or two and you're like – yeah, that's probably going to do it. It's like watching a shitty Bears game, if we're being honest with ourselves. But uh, or a Lions it, game. Well, it kind of it kind of it doesn't feel like they have Kane, Debrinket, Kubalik, Taves, you know, so on and so forth. Like it feels like they have a bunch of third liners who can't score. Yeah, yeah. and and that's they don't have that. Like they have they have plenty of third liners who can't score. Don't get me wrong, but they also have Alex Debrinket and Patrick Kane and Kubalik. And Debrinket's actually been scoring out of his ass. Like the whole he's been on fire pretty much since the season started. So I, I guess this is, and again, this feels like a little bit of a, a chicken and egg type of argument, but it's, can you take what the, are, are the Blackhawks 
struggling on offense because their star players aren't scoring or are they struggling on offense because the system is suffocating their star players and preventing them from scoring? Or are they not scoring because they have no depth scoring because, uh, Derek King wants to continue to play Reese Johnson for some reason. It's a little called A, B, and C. Well, I think, I think like to Shay's point, like those kind of guys, if you're going to have them in the lineup, I'm not saying they have to tilt the ice the way like Hosa could, but they have to have that kind of defensive mindset where they're going to, okay, we're going to get the puck into the other zone and set up for a face off and then get our ass off the ice. Mm-hmm. But they're not doing that. They're just kind of out there like, you know, floating around. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm, sense. I'm looking at like the opposition, like if you go to at natural stat tricks website, they have, they have it listed where if you go to the opposition tab, you can see who was on the ice most against certain players and against Artemi Panarin, the best offensive player on the Rangers, the top, it looks like the top, uh, it, it was either the, the dock line or the fourth line, which is I Slavin we're on the ice the most. And like, I like see like Patrick Kane's up there fairly high. And like, th- that's where like the, the whole lineup thing, like you, sh- Patrick Kane, if you have the last change at home, you, I, I don't know if I would want to have Patrick Kane on the ice at any point when Artemi Panarin is, because I would rather have your best defensive uh, minded line on the ice for that moment. And then they get the puck, they get control of the puck and, then you bring, and then you get, or um, let me backtrack that whole sentence because that was really bad. But the, the whole idea was the whole idea is like, if our Timmy Panarin's on the ice, like you want your best defensive lineup out there. And then when Panarin's not on the ice, you want to get your offensive guys out on the ice and let them go try and score. Cause if they're on the ice together, they kind of cancel each other out. And that's not really what you want to do. This is, this is like a carryover from the Quinville era when he did what Mill was talking about. You put your defensive line out there, you get the puck back and then you get your offense out there and let them do offense. Does that and make it, sense? Yes. And it's not even, it's just Q most teams in the, in the national hockey league, Roll yeah. lines like that. It's a three offensive line, and then their fourth line is a defensive specialist line. Look at Tampa, won two cups with it. Even the Penguins, both their cups were won with that. The Caps were slightly different there. Both their bottom lines could play defense, but, you know, like special for them. They probably could do it because, like, freaking Ovechkin is a wonderkin. Also, they had better offensive defenseman. But if you go down the line up until um, the last time there was like an energy fourth line that was successful was Boston in 2000. Uh, yeah. 2011. Like that's a long time <laughs> for that not to be the structure. So yeah, you need to be using your fourth line at bare minimum flipping the ice so that your offensive players can get out there and do something. Don't just go into the zone and keep playing. That's not useful. And it's also probably how the cap works that like it's cheaper to pay defensive players because they don't put up numbers. Yeah, exactly. And one of the other things I was going, I was going to mention about offense and the whole transition thing that Mill brought up was the Blackhawks don't use their defensemen well at all in transition. In fact, the Blackhawks have some of the worst transition, like their defensemen transition the worst in terms of, Tapping and then also when they're in the zone, helping with shots, they get so many of their shots blocked 
Like we used to joke about Keith hitting shin pads a lot. No, no. The Blackhawks are the most blocked team in the league and their defensemen do the bulk of that. So I, that's I, I like, of course, somebody's tracking that now. Like that makes perfect sense that someone does that. And that's also not, not surprising that the Hawks are the one is now is yeah. that indicative of, is that more indicative of uh, players who are bad at getting shots through the, through lanes or just a team that settles for point shots too often? Well, I found it was interesting that at one of the practices, they were practicing tips because maybe King and them noticed, hey, we're not getting anything but point shots, even some like we're taking all our shots from far out. Maybe instead of it being blocked, we could try to tip a few, but that hasn't happened. <laughs> Except for Hagel. Hagel tipped a shot. Yeah, I mean, the big part of that, they don't create shooting lanes at all. Yeah, no. And part of that is they just don't have the passer in the bottom six, especially they do not have passers. Like they can't pass to be able to open up shooting lanes. Cause that's how you do it. You make the other players move. Um, and the only team that does it regular or the only line that does it regularly was Dubrinkit, Doc and Kane. And now it's Hagel, Taves and Kane do it a lot. And Dubrinkit, Doc and Strom do it. Okay. I, yeah, I, I guess I'm just I'm trying to find like the solution to this problem in, in at least in our minds. Um, and, and again, I, I don't I don't think Derek King's listening to this podcast, so I don't think our memo is going to get to the bench. But it's like I, I don't. I, I'm just trying to work this around in my head how you get this team going like and, and I don't I, I struggle with the idea of or I, the between the two areas of, you know, if Kubali, you know, catches a heater or Kane goes off or Taves goes off for, for five or six games and they, they score a handful of goals and everything gets going and everything looks nice. Are we not even having this discussion anymore because then the offense is clicking? Well, if they figure it out. <laughs> well, yeah. <I> guess, <laughs> like yeah. if that's magic, but no, if it's just individual players carrying it, then I, 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 I they didn't correct anything. So it's more about like it's it's more if you see like the team wide numbers improve, maybe not oh. just because Patrick Kane skated down, skated through three players and scored. You want to see more like more of the possession based statistics progress in a positive manner. Is that is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. I think the answer to your question, Dave, is something all four of us have been talking about, <laughs> and it's they have to and. and like no offense to these guys, but they have to get AHL style players. If they can't play the NHL game, they can't be in the lineup. You know, you can't have Reese Johnson and Mike Hardman out there when they, they can't play. It's just, it is what it is. Now, if you can get them to do what they need to do and, and serve a purpose, that's fine, but they're not really serving any purpose. And stop putting those players, especially on other lines in the fourth line so that they neuter the other guys even more. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're dragging them down. Yeah. The third line for the last few weeks has been Borgstrom, Kubalik, and Reese Johnson. And that's just... That's horrible. It's two-thirds of a really good scoring line. Well, maybe not really good, but maybe a decent depth scoring line. I would love if they if they could figure out pairings that work and then they could tweak that third person. So, um, like, okay, so obviously Dabrinka and Strom could work. So maybe slide Doc down to be with Kubalik so that he's got a primary playmaker. Then Doc could maybe focus less on the I'm not scoring as much as I should be, and he could get back to building his confidence up 
by feeding the puck to Kubalik, and maybe that kills two birds with one stone. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, see if they could work together. Two birds and with then one strom. Yeah, and then <laughs> or with strom, yeah, and then you could add Borgstrom to either one of those two lines, um, and it adds another playmaker. It's just like who's that like last ninth forward? Kurashev would be my yes. selection, yes. and with Kubalik and Doc, that would be my line um yes so because you leave hagel taves and kane because they're doing well right um i mean they got stomped last night yeah they, but had, an eight, they had an eight percent uh expected goal share yeah but every like every other goal game they do pretty well all things so. considered health and everything they might see reichel eventually yeah, which, which is fine. I wouldn't even mind seeing Nylander. I was just about um, to say, like, I know, like, everybody in the Hawks fan base is sick of Alex Nylander, but uh, Betsy, you mentioned this last week. I've watched some a couple Rockford games here and there, and I didn't. It, it, what could it hurt? It's not like anybody else is tearing it up offensively. Well, good examples of this, Dave. What could it hurt are the AHL guys who come up here and can't play. <laughs> I know you guys are high on what he can do, but like I know I wouldn't say I'm high. I'm just more. I'm, I'm not high. I'm willing. I'm willing. Neilander has more skill than Reese Johnson. I think it's yeah. very fair to I, say, yeah. and that's very conservative to say. No, I'm I not even, saying he doesn't have more skill. He just needs to use it. Yeah. yeah well, I, it's 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 frustrating because even though like I don't understand why they're keeping Reese Johnson and Mike Hardman even up because you could rotate through those types of players from Rockford, even if you're not bringing up a score or a hopeful score, um, you could put other players down there, both uh, Barrett. I'm never going to pronounce his name. Right. Um, Call him Alti. Yeah. Alti. Um, and then also Jacob poor, however you say his last name. Um, yes, he's I mean, actually really good. He, he looks, he has good defensive foundation to me. Um, and skates pretty well. So, yeah, if you're looking for grinders, rotate those other assholes out. And <laughs> and by, I'm sure they're nice guys, right? Yeah. Um, rotate them out and let them come in at the very least. I, um, but I, I guess just the overall point that I, I've been I've been like thinking about the, the last 24 hours is like, like we we taught we there's a lot of flaws obviously, and and there's a lot of things that don't work, but. They're eight and five. Like I, I think if you had told me, like with the scoring slumps of Taves and Kuba League and Kane to an extent, like if you told me all of that was going to happen and the Hawks were still going to go eight and five in a thirteen game stretch, I'd be like, cool, sign me up. But I, I think the thing that I'm coming around to, uh, or I've come around to in the last day and then through this conversation is just like, it feels like they could be better than just this. Like, like there, there's there's more potential within this team and this lineup than they are getting right now. And I, and as the schedule starts to toughen up significantly over the next two or three weeks, maybe that's why they need to start maximizing that potential because I mean, the team, like they go to Montreal and they're having issues this year, right? Like Montreal's not good this year, right? I'm, I'm not. No, yeah, not really. They fired their GM. Yeah, they, that's right. Yeah, they just blew. They blew everything. That'll up. do it. Okay, I saw. I like. I had a half second panic attack of like, is Montreal leading the division? And I'm an idiot. No, they're they're not good. <laughs> but after Montreal, then you've got Toronto and Calgary and Washington again, and then 
then you get some divisional opponents with Nashville and Dallas, and then Florida's good, and then Dallas comes back. And then Col- I don't, yeah, Columbus may not be great, but Winnipeg's in the playoff chase. Nashville, Calgary, Colorado. And then you get the Arizona Coyotes on January 6th. So you get a little reprieve there. But for the next three weeks, like, we're going we're gonna to learn a lot about this team, I guess. And I guess I think that's where the concern is that, like, they're yeah, they're 8-5, and five, which I just did the math as a pace of about 100 points over an 82-game season, which would get you into the playoffs. But it just – it doesn't – it feels like, you know, they played their last four games against all playoff – well, not the Islanders. They did beat the Islanders. Good for them. But, you know – the Rangers are probably going to be a playoff team lost to them twice. And then you need to, you know, beating Washington was cool, but you did need to shoot out. So I just, I don't know. I guess I don't, uh, I'm trying yeah. to figure. Yeah, I guess they're, I they're eight and five, but they're not going to play Seattle, the Oilers. I mean, not the Canucks oh, and stuff yeah. like that over and over again. The, yeah. the one that I like the, the win that I actually liked the best was the St. Louis game. Yeah, and it went to OT, but like I still think they played well in that game, um, and that's a good, good-ish. T- I think they're a statistically mediocre team, but they win. They always figure mm-hmm. out how to win. So, so I, I guess yeah, I guess that's that's the concern is that the they're getting the results, but the process still could be better. And if your process isn't better, the results are going to stop eventually. Although I still like I don't know I it's it's such a weird. I feel like it's such a weird situation that they're in with so many, you know, racking, winning eight out of 13, but so many offensive guys that are guys that are supposed to be scoring goals are not doing that. Not it's also eight, eight. Go ahead, going to lie. Yeah, you go, Shay. Also to eight out of 13 against teams they need to beat uh, mostly. Yeah. And like the, the, the wins that are like against actual good teams are very rare. Yeah. And like, I don't want to, they were also very good at losing to the teams they should have beaten for the last three years. So, you know, I guess there, there's an element of, you can't be, you know, can't be too upset about the fact that they were beating bad teams for a change. But uh, yeah, like, like you were saying, Shay, like any of the teams that are good and they're coming up this month. So uh, we're, we're going to learn. We're going to learn this month for sure. Blame it all on Colby Cohen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we probably could get away with that. Um, well, <laughs> well, we got we got a few other Blackhawks topics. Well, maybe one or two to get to. We're going to take a quick break, come back on the other side of this timeout, dive into those real quick. We got some food thoughts because, again, as we are self-appointed ourselves, the best hockey-themed food podcast on the internet. Or was it the best food-themed hockey podcast on the internet? I don't remember. We're one of those things, and we're going to get into all that stuff after this timeout. Welcome back to Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. And uh, as promised before the break, had a few more things we wanted to dive into. And, and one of them being the big news from Tuesday's game against the Rangers, which was the the hit by Jacob Truba on Jujar Kara that uh, knocked, looked like it just knocked him flat out. And he Kara ended up leaving the ice on a stretcher. The good news is that on Wednesday morning, he was released from the hospital and they're expecting a full recovery. So the, the best part of this is it sounds like Carol will not be worse for wear in the long term and that he will have a full recovery. It was a little bit scary when it happened because he had two concussions in about a month earlier this year. I think it was in March and April when he was with the Oilers. So kind of a terrifying thing. And I, I think one of the more interesting parts post game was 
listening to Jonathan Taves talk about how much that team was rattled by what they witnessed. Like, I can't imagine, I don't know how professional athletes deal with that, uh, watching your teammate get stretchered off. And maybe they don't like, like other human beings, uh, that you just can't really go back to work. Maybe that's why the Rangers ended up winning that game. I don't know. But, uh, the news came out a few hours ago that Jacob Truba will not be getting any sort of supplemental discipline for this. And I, I, I know I can admit some, some bias here because I'm a Blackhawks fan, but I just, I, I can't believe that that let's get into this. Shay, I want, you were talking about this before we came on the air. So I want you to offer your, your thought on this. Cause I think I had a response to it. I mean, yeah. So he, he clearly hits him in the head. He, he looks like he Truba has time to like change and not hit him in the head. And like, he, it's possible to see the uh, Kairos Kairos got his head down looking at the puck. Like mm-hmm. you can, he had time to not hit him in the head because it's like, very clearly connects shoulder to head, not like through the neck or through the chest or anything. It's to the head. Yeah. And I feel like that's been the emphasis for so much of all these NHL, these, these videos that come out of the department of player safety of, the the onus is on the checker to not hit the player in the head. And as you mentioned, like he had time to maybe lower the target. I mean, Kara's like six four, he's huge. So plenty of frame to hit that is not his chin. And Truba kind of like it seemed like he kind of raised up at the end. So I don't think it was necessarily like I don't think this was a dirty hit by any means, because I, I think dirty hit implies you went out of your you did something without outside like the realms of what a normal hockey player would do to make that hit. Like the knee from Neil Pionk on Rasmus, Rasmus Sandin, I think his name is from Toronto. Like that was a pretty cheap hit. That was a dirty hit. And then Spezza coming back and trying to decapitate Pionk later. That's a dirty hit. And Spezza got, I think got six games for that, but this hit doesn't strike me as dirty, but that also doesn't mean it wasn't illegal. And I, it kind of reminds me of the Connor Murphy hit on Eric Sarnak last year against Tampa, where Murphy hit him behind the net, hit him in the head. They reviewed it. Murphy was thrown out of the game. And I saw him thought that was kind of fair. And this hit, like, I don't understand why something similar didn't happen. I'm not saying Truba should have got suspended, but the fact Throw that he got, game. Sure, not yeah. even, not even a minor, nothing at all. When no. they're trying to crack down hits to the head, like, he hit him in the head. Like, right. There's a reason Stillman had to fight him. Yeah. Well, I, well, it did any hard hit gets, gets a fight these days, which is still kind of dumb. Like, but whatever. I, I, I don't, nah, that, that's another tirade for another day. Uh, Betsy, what about you? What are your thoughts on this? I agree with Shay. I think that it's not that he was targeting him, but it was a careless play. Like, and he had enough time. He, like, he seems to adjust, Truba seems to adjust a little bit to Kyra, like, opening up, you know, like, he kind of stands up a little bit. And the whole point is you're supposed to look out for the dangerous plays. There's that whole thing that's like, well, don't skate with your head down in open ice. And it's like, sure, that's a lesson to teach people. But the way you teach them isn't with concussions, you know, yeah. like, <laughs> so I also am a little con- weird because like Nathan McKinnon got suspended earlier this year after doc like fell a little bit and got, you know, he was at like, he was like almost on his knees and 
McKinnon hit him from the side and hit him in the head and into the boards. Now that was more dangerous, but it was the same type of doc put himself in a like vulnerable position. And yet they still were like, well, Nathan McKinnon should have pulled up. So why wouldn't they say, well, okay, well, Truba probably should have pulled up too. That's my only, like, my big thing is I think he could have adjusted a little bit. I know the game is fast, but he also, like, his arm comes up a little bit. So, like, at it almost looks like maybe he's, like, raising his elbow a little bit. And I'm like, and, like, I don't think Truba is a dirty player. I've watched him a lot. He hits hard, but he's usually very clean. The same way Connor Murphy hits hard, but it's very clean. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just, I don't necessarily think it was suspension worthy either but I think it probably needed a penalty of some sort at the very least um I wouldn't have been surprised if it was like a game um but this like in this like in between of saying well it's not illegal even though he still hit him in the head and he he might have had some time to adjust is kind of wishy-washy to me a little bit and And not not consistent which is the biggest complaint everybody has Exactly. With player safety. Mill, go ahead. So if you're going to throw out the Truba had time to adjust, I'll buy that. But also if there's that much time, Kara has to fucking get his head up. It's so dangerous to keep your head down like that. Yeah. And I really hope, I really hope yeah. he's okay. But that's something they teach you as a kid. And the reason they do is because if you go online and look up any meatball compilation of hockey hits, it's always guys with their head down going through, you know, the neutral zone. This unfortunately was in a different spot. It could have been even more dangerous, um, mm-hmm. closed into the board. But regardless, I don't like the hit for, for sure, but I don't think Jacob Truba is the type of player that had dangerous intent. Like, I think if it was a player who had a track record, they might have done something because they would have thought, okay, like, you know, but if he had, or if he had his head up, I think they would have called a, a penalty, maybe kicked him out of the game because they definitely don't want these types of hits. But if you want consistency and you give him some kind of game misconduct, well, then they're going to look at a thousand other hits similar where I said their heads down and there was no penalty. And they're going to go, well, why didn't these get those calls? Mm. I just don't think it's black and white. It's very tricky. Um, the game is changing. You know, uh, years ago, this wouldn't even been a discussion. It would have been like whatever, uh, which is stupid, but that's how it was. So I think uh, it's good that we're looking out for people's safety. Um, and maybe they should have called at least a, a, a minor penalty at least, but um, it's just not so black and white. I just hope Kara's okay. Like that's my thing. Cause like that hit was really nasty to watch. Um, yeah. And also I was going to mention that Truba, it, when they have ever, they panned to him looked shaken. Yeah. Like, right. Yeah. That's he the thing. did not, like, not expect it to be like that. So that's the thing is that he's not like a jackass where he wants to hurt people. Yeah, I just I think sometimes people get penalties and get thrown out or get suspensions that aren't jackasses because they accidentally did something and it's always good. I just my thing about consistency is it's not even consistent in season. Like it's one thing if you're talking about like okay, last season they would never call that, but like there have been similar hits that have gotten suspensions this season and it's mm-hmm. like just just pick a lane or yeah. explain it better. Like maybe right. give an explanation video of why you did. Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe they need to start doing videos explain why we're not suspending people. That's a good point because I I go back to the the Murphy hit last year again. He's not a dirty player whatsoever. 
I just think that the way the angle, you know, and behind the net, the way it was, if they didn't call something like that, they knew some, some dirty player was going to take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. But like, this was like a, Hey, like this dude had, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you can't look down at the puck even for that long. Um, but, but I think we can all agree that we just hope the dude is okay. Cause it was yeah. very hard well, to look at. Yeah, I know that's, yeah. that's, that was the best news that came out of everything was when the, the report this morning that I, I think the, the Hawks even said like they're expecting him to make a, a full recovery. I'm actually they looking, use the, the word excellent. Yeah. Too. And yeah, his yeah. prognosis is excellent and we expect a full recovery. So, good. so that's good news. Yeah. I just, I'd, I'd also like to mention that a player who has experience with head hits and concussions and Andrew Shaw tweeted today that uh, he, the two jars should have been protected. Um, so that's a player it's, perspective. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's, it's like, again, this is the gray area that they'll reference. Like I can appreciate, or I, I can understand the argument from people who say, keep your head up because like, you can't, this is a very physical, very dangerous game. And if you skate around with your head down, eventually you're going to get blasted. Like that's, if you can't skate. Yeah. I, I just, I, yeah. I think we're, I think we're at a point, especially with concussions and the understanding of CTE that like yeah. at, at this point, you shouldn't have to fully expect a, a head hit at all times. Well, that's, like and that's, and like both things can be true though. Like, like you can't skate, you should not be skating around with your head down because you do have to protect yourself, but also there has to be some ramification if a guy, you know, hits you in the head. And like the, I think, Someone mentioned like if you like I'm actually I have it open I'm mean, I'm rewatching this hit and like Kerr kind of like he raises up slightly so like there's 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 room to hit him not in his head I think we mentioned this earlier like yeah uh, so I I'm mean, just no, just no no ramifications at all just seems wrong to me like even if you're just gonna find him a thousand dollars still find him a thousand dollars yeah that's that's where I can like not nothing at all not no penalty nothing like i i think suspension might be a little much because again like i don't think it was a dirty hit but dirty doesn't necessarily mean illegal i mean if you high stick and knock three guys guys a couple of his teeth out it might have been just an accident but it's still a four minute penalty because you made his mouth bleed yeah they sit there and say you have to be aware of where like your stick at all times and even if you accidentally do something with your stick you still get penalized why shouldn't players even if they don't intend to hit somebody in the head, should they not be like they do that all the time? They're like, well, they might not have targeted, but it's an illegal check to the head. Yeah, I mean, like I'm watching it like the Zapruder film, like frame by frame. Like it certainly looks like the first contact is Truba's shoulder to Kara's chin, and it oh, looked like it lo- and it looked like he was out mid air, and that's why his head cracked off the ice so hard. Yeah, his he's... head gets thrown back so hard, and then and then Truba hits him in the chest a little bit because his momentum is still yeah. going. But his head whips back. Yeah, so I don't know. It's just I, and in the long run, I'm, I'm glad he's okay, and hopefully we don't have to talk about anything else like that anymore. Only thing I want to add is I wish Riley Stillman would, if he's going to fight, don't get your ass beat. Right. That's the other thing. Like at least win the get a few what? punches in, or what the fuck's Reese Johnson on this team for if he's not going to fight somebody? Yeah, also, it's like, why bother? Why is it that the like littler players fight better than like on the Blackhawks? Because Shaw fought better than pretty much everybody. It, who it's because a lot of those guys wouldn't make the team the way you have to come up if you don't fight a lot. The coaches ask you to do that. But what yeah. about Drinkit? I think he's a better fighter than because, Stillman is. Because, well, well, that's 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 not being a Napoleon combo. Well, the Drinkit, but he's literally fighting his entire career. He's a good player, so they probably tell him, "Please don't do that." Well, I'm sure they do, but like when he does. 
he yeah. made contact. He's a better formed fighter than well. I don't know, like if he went against Truba, he'd be like hitting him in the tummy. But you know, <laughs> this, this goes back to a, a this is like an ancient episode of uh, when Bamani Jones used to do things on SB Nation. He talked about uh, undersized running backs in the NFL are probably the toughest people pound for pound in all sports because to be in to be into the NFL and be an undersized player at a position where you get physically beat up all the time, the amount of toughness it takes to do that. Those are not people you want a part of. And I imagine smaller hockey players are probably in a similar category. Like all the shit that Alice the Brinkett and Andrew, the Andrew Shaw's of the world have had to hear over the course of their careers because of how undersized they were. And all the times they probably had to prove that they were as tough as all the big guys. I don't think the, for the most part, those, those aren't problems that you would like to have. So I think that's Great. where that comes from. Also, uh, I appreciate Andrew Shaw's take, but at the same time, he's has taken runs at so many people <laughs> yeah. that like, yeah, that's, I'm kind of, I'm kind of like, dude, that's rich. Like, come on. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's not, he's not the best advocate for that side of the argument, but whatever. Um, I mean, I think he learned it with, with his injuries. Like I think, oh, yeah, he, I, was about to say, I, I feel like uh, he and like Boland does the same thing sometimes, you know, you're like, it's, okay, but that was your entire career, bro. <laughs> um, and but then you're like, they realized the NHL has, it you know changed a little bit so well I, yeah it, for it, sure it's just it's just the wisdom of getting a little bit older you know they're not 23 anymore so maybe but, it, but it's funny it is funny um so real quickly before we uh uh start to wrap this up here uh looking at the games for the next few weeks and again as we mentioned like we're gonna learn we're gonna learn a lot over the next two to three weeks here uh thursday night against montreal in montreal then they play saturday night against the maple leafs in toronto which uh, we're going to find out how good that defense is because that team is scoring goals a lot. <laughs> that's, yeah, so there's that. And then they come home and, and face the Calgary Flames. So that's going to be uh, – Yeah, that's going to be – And then and then we get the Capitals again on Wednesday. So The return of Nikita Zadorov who blew oh, the game for them. Yeah, can't right. wait. And then and Miller and I might be in the house for that. We'll we'll see. We're, we're talking to some people doing some things. We'll, we'll see. Um, but anyway, before we wrap this all up, we got a food take. It's the holiday season. And I, I have this – uh, airing of grievances in line with festivist traditions. I, I don't know where I'm going with that, but anyway, uh, we, we talked a lot about holiday food last week and comparing Thanksgiving to Christmas. And I think cookies came up at some point. So I have a take related to the, the, this topic. Sugar cookies suck. Why, why are sugar, why do sugar cookies even exist? All other forms of cookies have sugar in them. So why do we have cookies that are just sugar? They're trash. Get them away from the rest of my cookies why they're just no we don't need sugar cookies are trash that is the take tell me i'm wrong it's to decorate them it's it's because other cookies can't be decorated as a cookie baker it's because other so, cookies aren't as so good decorate so deck deck the halls why are you decorating cookies cookies because it's fun and it's you use icing and it's colorful it's, and it's nice and kids can do it is this art class kids can do it it's crafts come on it's, it's edible crafts that's why <laughs> I think, crap I think, is what it is. I understand crap. what you're saying if you're talking about like store bought sugar cookies, but if you make them at home with like a ton of butter and like unhealthy shit, they're really good. So, yeah. oh, so you have to make them more unhealthy than they already are. They're well, just, yeah, that's to keep up with the other unhealthy food. cookies. Yeah, all cookies are unhealthy, Dave. This is a fact of life. Yeah, that's we can't, we can't, we can't all eat cookies all, at all times. I wish we could. I wish we could all be cookie monsters. Which is even be. more reason of why you shouldn't waste your time eating sugar cookies. You should well, eat good cookies. Question. Sugar cookies, 
Okay, oh, the right going. ones are good. Yeah. The right ones are the, the right ones are good. Yeah, they um, are. Snickerdoodles are a type of sugar cookie because they're mm-hmm. sugar cookies with cinnamon. What's your stance on them? They're fine. Cause I fucking love snickerdoodles. <laughs> I mean, look, <laughs> chocolate chip is the best cookie. Period. No. What? What? I don't. What's really. a better cookie than a chocolate chip cookie? I just told you, snickerdoodle is my favorite. <sighs> I kind of oh, roll the. I'll kind of roll the peanut butter or an M M&M. and M. Do you know like I'm the? A, I'm tur- a peanut butter chocolate chip. They're person. called turtle. Um, they're turtle pecan cookies. Um, yeah. What? Turtle, turtle cookies. They have caramel bits. They have. Ch- they're like chocolate chips with pecans in them and Wait, um, I mean, little like, bits of caramel. I'm familiar with the candy that's called a turtle, but that's that's a candy. That's not a cookie. No, there's. Where are the turtles? First of all, it's a well-known enough cookie that like. Like like Nestle House and Pillsbury have them in the like, you know, snap off and break whatever place and break. Okay. Place and bake ones, so they're common enough cookies. Okay, okay, <laughs> I'm I'm all right. I'm, I'm I just googled it and got some images. Now I understand what you're talking about. But like I'm I'm thinking of like, see, not like they've they've made like turtle cookies, but and I'm thinking of the actual turtles. Is it a magic bar? Is a magic bar a brownie or a cookie? I think it's a cookie. Then that are you, are you, are, again, are, you, are we talking about the seven layer bar? Because yes. that's a cookie. Yeah. Okay. Then that's those my favorite cookie. Hell. I think yeah, there has to awesome. be like just like plain dough in it for it to be a cookie. But that, that's a, a plain dough is a sugar cookie. Well, the, no, that's that's the that's the base of the ingredient. I'm just saying, like that has to yeah, be the base of the ingredient is a sugar cookie. Yeah, you just bake that. That's yeah, simple. And, it's yeah, that, like but, one of the reasons yeah. they exist is that it's just simplicity and it's the base of every other cookie. Yeah, but kind of kind of fuck it's with the, the base, and it can be improved upon, no, which is why it's a, trash. A cookie is just a baked or cooked snack or dessert that is typically small, flat, and sweet. So that's a that's a Snickers bar. Then, <laughs> like, come on. I guess they're not baked. A Snicker, yeah, I was going to say, is not. You want me to go bake one and find out? <laughs> <laughs> I might. You know, not, I thought that, that, that would not white chocolate, white chocolate macadamia nut. I kind of fuck with that cookie. Yeah, those, those are pretty good. Like in, in They're magic, like an occasional one, you know? I guess magic bars are, yeah. I think they're more cookie than brownie. I think they're more yes. cookie, too. The thing with they're those is, though, you, you can only have it, like, once in a while. They'll just, just, like, they'll ruin your stomach. What makes a magic bar? So, I think a magic bar is closer to a cookie than a brownie because there's nothing brownie about it to me. Like, it doesn't rise at all. So, how can it be a brownie? Right. It just sinks. There's nothing brownie. It doesn't rise because it. there's so much shit in it. Yeah. It condenses. <laughs> yeah, there, but there's, no, there's nothing to make it... <laughs> So, Dave, what you're saying is you don't like the sugar cookies that look like Christmas trees at Family Express. <laughs> no, no, I don't. Oh, those are like the. Oh, okay. yes. Okay. Those That's are, a good point. But those what, are. What's I your mean, stance? Go ahead. Uh, I was, the, those are just two. There's, those are excessive amounts of sugar. They're unnecessary. They're not good. Uh, but go ahead, Shay. What were you going to say? What? So, have you, do you, have you had like the, 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 the Pillsbury like shapes ones, like the reindeer or the Christmas tree recently, where it's just like peel and. Pe- like peel in place maybe i don't uh, well not not recently no i haven't okay. had many Dave. holiday cookies yet it is only december 8th we got three weeks no it's like well remember growing up the cookies that you buy like those and you bake them at home and they have like pictures on them i yeah i mean they do like holiday those are sugar cookies those are yeah those are fine i i don't yeah there you go 
All right. All right. So, uh, sorry. I, I will upgrade from sugar cookies are no longer trash. They are fine. But you can do so much better. If you're settling for sugar cookies, you're settling. And this is not the season for settling. Again, it's to decorate. See, it's, yeah. it's because they look good. It's the aesthetic. They are an aesthetic cookie. Yeah. And then they're like an interactive cookie. Okay. Inter- I interact with every cookie because I eat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. I like uh, they're, they're Instagram cookies. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't have an Instagram account, so fuck it. You should get one. Yeah, uh, no, it's all right. I'm good. No, I'm just quoting Samuel Jackson on that Capital One commercial. You should get one. Motherfucker. Too old for Instagram. If, if it was going to happen, it was going to happen 15 years ago. Dude, Instagram's all people that are like older. It's fine. <laughs> that's, that's okay, Mel. Uh, you guys have fun with it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be okay. You, getting angry on people on Twitter about that are tweeting our account. Demand, telling us, telling we, us we, we don't like the team selfies. that hasn't been good for five years. On Twitter, as Twitter slowly dies. God, and and, and not a day late. <laughs> we need a Second City Burner account to back us up. By the way, you can follow us on Twitter at Twenty City Hockey. Uh, you like as, miserable as I, hockey fans? <laughs> exactly. I pro- I promise we're not as obnoxious on Twitter as we are on this podcast, but uh, or maybe we are. I don't know. Well, somebody will tweet us and let us know. Uh, I think that's going to pretty much wrap it up for this episode. Any final thoughts before we go our separate ways? I'm glad you don't have to sit through a JV game tonight. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Well, I, I usually, I show up after the JV game, so it's. Yeah, okay. but you'll be done earlier. Exactly. Exactly. That's the whole point. Uh, Betsy, Shay, anything else to add? Nope. I'm good too. All right. That, well, then, well, then that's I'm going to make magic bars this weekend. Uh, yeah, ship some, uh, ship some up north, please. Appreciate it. Uh, but that's going to do it for this episode of Musings on Madison. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. Again, I'm on Twitter at SCH underscore Dave M, which uh, I, I promise we're more, more fun there than I just said we were. Uh, Mills at Mill182. Shepard is at Shepard Price. The main account's at 2ND City Hockey. Betsy's not on Twitter, but you can find her at secondcityhockey.com under the name LBR. And that's where you can find all of our stuff, all our previews, all our recaps, all our number bunchers, series articles. Everything uh, is all at that website in one nice convenient package for you. Um, So thanks again for listening to this episode. We'll be back next week with another one talking about whatever the hell's going on. Uh, Go get your COVID shots and boosters, please. So maybe we don't have to have empty stadiums for (laughs) coming up sometime soon. uh, Cause it sounds like shit might be getting real once again, especially for those of us in the Northern half of the country. So uh, I highly recommend doing that. Um, But that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening and we'll talk to you next week.